Fuck it. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> okay. I'm going on a hunt. When? Tomorrow. Where? Tomorrow. I'm so excited. So the King Ranch, which is larger than the state of Rhode Island. So there's a part of that. It's a private part that one of the owners has. And I'm a guest there. And uh, I'm going to come back and be like Oprah Winfrey show. It's going to be steaks for everybody. <laughs> steaks for everybody. Neil Guy Steaks. I'm so excited. You have I'm a gonna, steak under your seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, that's right. Check under your seat. You got a steak. Gross. So last year I processed two. I'm bringing five Neil Guy back for us. Everybody's eating steak all year long. Because I ate steak after my trip last year for three months straight every night. Me and my son, steak every night. It's fucking um, so I'm going on that hunt. So I'm super excited. And y- you know what else? You know what, you know what I'm going to test? I have, a, I have an idea. I bet you don't. Tell me. You tell me. What's your idea? 8-6. Idea guy. What? 8-6. God damn. Pork chop. Oh, oh well, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay it's, almost, so. it's almost like we work here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to take the 8-6, the 210-grain barn supersonic Neil Guy Slayer. I'm going to lay them down. I'm going to send you some pictures for that social media that hopefully you're working on. I don't know what you do. Because I came up with your title. I had homework last week. (laughs) Oh, what is it? We need to know this. Social meteor. Meteor. (laughs) And and when he's really good, it's going to be meteorite. (laughs) Perfect. Anyway, I'm going on a hunt. I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to shoot some stuff with 8.6. Also, I'm taking 308 fix. Hmm. I'm taking a 6.5 fix. Because my homies at Hornady, they hooked me up with some ammo. Some new ammo that I'm going to try out, hunt with. Gonna kill some stuff because I know I'm a straight up slayer. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Gonna be some white till or tail management. There's gonna be some pigs. I'm gonna make a headshot on a turkey at 300 yards with a 6.5 fix. And if those Canada geese show up, they're getting slayed. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but the 8.6 on a nil guy. And for anybody who doesn't know what the nil guy is, so I, I'm uh, sure we'll pop one up on the screen right now. <laughs> but it is it is this weird cross between like a unicorn. They call it the devil's horse. Uh, it's like, I don't know, like the most powerful antelope in the history of Earth. Um, it's this big, weird-looking creature with kind of a small head, and it's on steroids and all freaky-looking. It's jacked. Yeah, yeah, it's a real animal. So a lot of ranches, like you have to um, shoot with 300 wind mag or bigger. But, you know, I'm going to pinpoint accuracy slay that thing with a fix well yeah an eight six two i probably got to sneak up on one of that because like i shoot most of them like 400 yards um so i'm planning 200 yard shot with the eight six with a 12 and a half inch barrel um i'm pretty excited it's gonna be good good eating so they brought them in originally from like i don't know where like pakistan or someplace and um as a potential beef substitute they're obviously lean. Ain't a lot of fat on them, but delicious. Oh my god! So I'm so excited. So I'm gonna do that. How did you um? How did you get into hunting? Because I remember you told us earlier in life, like you weren't, you weren't, you didn't grow up around guns or hunting or anything like that. No, I grew up in the city, and uh, my parents are from South Georgia, and my father is the oldest uh, boy in his family. So his grandparents lived on a farm right outside of the little town they grew up in. And uh, he had to help my grandfather, like, do all of the, you know, the the butchering and uh, slaying of the animals for everybody to eat. So he was not into that as he grew up. Um, And we lived in the city. So my family wasn't into firearms. They weren't into hunting. Um, 
when we started working with a lot of special operations with the AAC, um, started working with a lot uh, when we were doing the precision rifle stuff, so the Titan QD silencer and things like this, uh, started working with a lot of the snipers in those groups. And, and half of them, it seems like, are like rednecks that grew up hunting. And that's kind of how I got into it. And I got in, they started teaching me long range shooting and then started teaching me hunting. And that's kind of how I got into it. And, and I just fell in love with it. And just the idea of being in nature, I, there's so many aspects to it. The solitude, the management, um, growing the animals, eating the animals. And it, it, it's so interesting now because a lot of, you, you know, that vegetarian, vegan, liberal culture of, um, you know, trying to eat healthy. And, and you know, I don't like the idea uh, of, you know, cattle that are raised and injected with growth hormones and all this stuff either. I mean, I'll eat anything, honestly. But um, the idea is the most organic thing we can do. When I had the ranch in Georgia and I had 600 acres and I'm growing deer, and that's all I would eat every year, but I'm planting for them, I'm feeding them, and then I'm managing the population. So I'm going after, you know, the uh, most mature uh, males in the herd and taking those out, and that's what we're eating every year. Um, I don't I just got super interested in it, and I think it was just good timing, but that's how I got into it, was these, you know, rednecks that are in special forces that were were snipers that were also grew up hunting got me into it. They would take me to where they were from, and we'd go hunting, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think I know the answer, but do you have a favorite game that you hunt? I mean, I hope the favorite is the next one that I've not hunted so far, but... It depends on what I'm doing. If, if I'm hunting for meat, I do not like whitetail because whitetail, I eat it, but I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but whitetail is my favorite hunting, I think. Uh, but axis deer is my favorite meat. I love axis, fallow, elk. Um, Neil guy is wonderful. Um, you know, and I'll eat anything that I kill. But I'm also not like super self-righteous about hunting. If people want to hunt in a high fence, like however they want to do it, just people being involved in it, that's the conservation, whether it's here or it's in South Africa or Africa or New Zealand. However, anyone wants to hunt. As long as you're doing it ethically. I mean, get into it. I mean, yeah, I mean, the the only thing that's unethical, well, I mean, there's a lot. So, like, I don't break the law. I don't, you know, if there's a hunting season on something that I'm hunting, you know, I get all the licensing. I respect all that. Um Outside of torturing animals, whatever you want to do. Uh, like, I don't want to be judgmental. Um, you know, I used to be against high fence hunting, but then we have we started doing stuff when we were developing ammo and stuff like that, and we had to go and shoot stuff. And, and then understanding that process and, and, and part of the importance of that and getting people into hunting and sometimes high fence. You know, for me, if we got someone who doesn't have a lot of time, but they want to participate in hunting and they can't put in the time and energy and effort to go spend, you know, tons uh, of hours and weeks hunting. I still want them to be involved because that's, that's contributing to our industry and to hunting. So I think there is a place for high fence and, and, and I do whatever. Anytime someone invites me on something and I can do it, I'm not stuck up about it. Like my favorite hunts are the ones that are difficult and that are, that are free range and you put in the work and cause I'm generally not a trophy hunter. Um, 
I want the experience where, you know, my primary hunting partner, Jared Joplin from American Precision Arms, he's a trophy hunter. And, and sometimes there, there's a bad connotation with that. And, and, and I don't think so with him. He will put in the work. He is so dedicated. He's so passionate about it. And he's an incredible shot. He's a great hunter, but he wants to kill the biggest stuff. And he will put in the work to do it. And for me, I would much prefer the better experience where he would prefer the largest trophy animal no matter what kind of hell he has to go through to get it. And to me, if we can drink beer and we're going to laugh for three days straight and I shoot something smaller, like, yeah, I'm still going to eat it. I don't care. Have you done a helicopter hog hunt yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I did it. The, uh, as soon as they started, um, allowing it in Texas, I, I did it. So I've done it a few times. It's so fun. That's my dream. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's like the one well, people that go above and beyond do. here at Q, we make dreams come true. Well, all right. So follow us on social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the helicopter big hunts are fun. You got to be careful when you do that. There's a couple things. If people are interested in that, um, needs to be fall winter when the leaves are off the trees, it's way easier. You're going to see a lot more pigs. You have a lot more chances at shooting stuff. Um, and I've been on a couple where we didn't see any pigs and that's not fun. I don't like that. Um, but you know, that's why it's hunting and not killing. Right. Yeah. But it's, that is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of heights. I don't know. I'm not afraid of that stuff in general, but I would think if you have a, cause like Ethan's super afraid of heights, Ethan Lassard here, who's the head of our engineering, afraid of heights. Okay. With helicopters. But, you know, it's a borderline thing with him. So I think it makes it much more exciting for him yeah. than it even does for me. I love flying. Even if, like like you just said, even if we went out and you didn't see anything. Like, for me, just hanging out the side of a helicopter is cool enough. Like, that's... Yeah. Todd Huey's having fun on a little quad oh my side God. by side. And Todd he, Huey's living a life. He's a maniac. Yeah, but, that, I mean, he's he's driving... Next to a herd of pigs. It, is it a herd? I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a sound. And Todd Huey's. <laughs> no, I think it's a, a gaggle. sound. I think that's yeah. crows a, and a, ga- a gaggle yeah. of pigs. Um, <laughs> no, but he's a- literally driving next to them, shooting them from like five meters away, driving at the same speed that they are. Sometimes he's running the pigs over. Right. With, know, with a 240. Yeah, he's living a lot. I've seen dudes with, yeah. Yeah, with belt feds doing it. He's a maniac. Yeah. Yeah, now that he's doing that and he's got him, yeah. oh, yeah, that that's the life. So, I mean, you see, the reason I'm looking for a ranch in Texas and not Georgia now. They put all the pigs to use for the the people listening. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I don't even know. Like, if, if it's a nuisance, it's yeah. like, I'll kick a goose, I'll shoot a pig, mm-hmm. like, whatever. Yeah. Pig sheriff. Um, but, but the pigs, yeah. So Todd Huey was a sheriff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a sheriff, retired yeah. sheriff. Yeah. So I'll... Um, so I'll eat the pigs. Like when we shoot them in Georgia, we generally eat them, but mm. sometimes we've shot more than we can eat. So we give them away. But I think with Todd, he does both, but he also, there's some dog food factory yep. down there where they donate. Uh, he has somebody that picks them up and I think the factory gives them like some amount of money. I'm going to make it up, but I'll say it's $50. Even just and, giving him the access to do what he likes to do. That's yeah. Payment enough. Yeah. And, and helping the farmers. Yeah. Like I, I know a place I deer hunt in Georgia near my old farm um, that I have permission to, and there's a couple of beautiful fields and Chad, um, you know, my, my best buddy down there, he and I just shot some pigs down there in those fields. And one of those fields is about 10 acres. It's planted and five acres of it was totally destroyed by yep. pigs, which doesn't matter that much to me. Cause it's like, makes it target rich, but they do run the deer off, but they do destroy the land for farmers. And yeah, I have no mercy on the pigs when I encounter them. 
Next time yeah. you go on a helicopter hunt, oh. take a GoPro or something so I can live through you. Okay. Well, I'm telling you. Right. Go above and beyond. We'll take you on a helicopter hunt. I got you. So, pig hunting. I was with my buddy Jared Joplin again one time in East Texas. And we were not pig hunting. And we just happened up over this ridge. And these pigs came by. And when I say pigs, oh, my God. Um, a hippopotamus came by. I was going to say, for people who don't know, like, what is a big pig down there? Because some people just don't well, know. Well, I, I think... I'm no expert, but here's my basic understanding, which I think is true. People say, oh, Russian boar. So like a European boar, the biggest that boar, that that line can get is about 300 pounds. So once they get, you know, intermingled with domestic pigs and stuff like that, they can grow to any size. Um, so there's pigs that have been shot that are over 1,000 pounds. So this pig, I shot... Um, this was with a six and three quarter inch, so seven inch, three hundred blackout, um, seven hundred and ten pound pig. That is huge. Yeah, uh, there were two three hundred pound pigs with it that looked like piglets. It was so it was so big, um, and 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 it sounded like a freaking T Rex when I shot it. Yeah. Um, let me back up it, here. I'll it does. It. Oh, it is. Well, well, it's mounted down there in the kitchen. Didn't shoulder mount? Isn't that what? bent the kegerator yeah fell yeah off, fell off the and wall. that's just the head yeah oh, wait. so we're going up over this ridge and these pigs come by and i was like oh my god and jared's like he's hunting with like a 350 remington or some big caliber he's like nostalgic about and i've got you know a little 300 blackout and he's like hey let's see what that little gun will do and i'm like and we're with a guide actually and uh I'm like, well, whatever. I don't, I don't care about shooting pig. And I look over the guy, and he's like, yeah. He's like, I can, I can get a tractor down here, you know, front end loader. We can get that thing out of here. You want to shoot him? I'm like, you know. Now I'm challenged by my buddy. I'm right. like, hey, <laughs> screw you. So this is Barnes 110. So I'm like, okay. And it, it's literally the largest animal in the entire world. So like, basically, I shot Godzilla. And he says. So I look over at the guide. So I'm about to shoot him, and I look up. And he, and they're just moseying along. They have no idea we're there. And we're probably about 60, 70 yards. And I'm like, hey, where do you shoot something like that? And because, you, you know, the pigs, they, they get these, um, like, plates basically on their sides where you can't really penetrate very easily. And I say, um, you know, where, where do you shoot something like that? And he says, you see its eyeball? And I'm hoping he does something like, I don't shoot that well. I got a red dot, like – He's like, look at his eyeball. Go twelve inches back on his neck, shoot him right there. I'm like, and he definitely knew what he was talking about. I said, okay. And so, this this is where the video picks up. <laughs> so one more time for yeah, those people on the cheap them. seats. <laughs> so so what you hear there is a shot 12 inches back on its neck and that scream shook the ground that was a giant animal and then he starts to run and i shot him again and he just face plants so then the creepy part starts so i'm there and <laughs> we go over there and its balls were the size of cantaloupe okay like it was it was huge 
And this thing was probably, I don't know how big it was. I'm going to say like 29 feet from snout to tail, but probably about eight or nine feet. Like it's a large animal. And I'm looking at it and, and the, the little creepy guide that we're with, he comes over to me. So like an East Tennessee guy in the mountains. So it's not like imagine deliverance, I guess, if you're not from the South. And he comes over to me and we're looking at it and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this thing's big. And he says, Hey, you mind if I stick it? <laughs> and I swear to God, I didn't know what he meant. Like it, it, it was a crapshoot. It's like he meant one of two things. And, and you know, and the guy was like scary as hell. I was scared of him. And, and I, was, you know, I didn't know what he meant, but I was like, nah, I, I don't, I don't mind if you stick it. <laughs> like, and I'm looking at Jared and I'm like, well, we're not eating this one. And, um, so he pulls his sleeves up. He still has his watch on. Oh, that's good. He takes his pocket knife out with his watch on the same hand. Stabs this thing. I mean, it's dying. He stabs it. And it's like kicking a little bit and screaming a little bit. But it, it, it's, it was almost dead. Yeah. And he reaches all the way up in it, elbow deep. And, like, and the pig just dies. And he gets up. He shakes his arm one time. There's blood. His watch is covered in blood. And he's like, I just had to disconnect them arteries from the heart. We're good. Let's go. Hunt. <laughs> he had to unplug it. <laughs> and, and I am terrified. And, uh, yeah, that was a terrifying pick on a story. special person. Not Jer- and Jared was also terrified, and he's manlier than me. So. You so got I, a pig story? I have a less exciting pig story, but still a pig story. All right. So when I was stationed in Hawaii... We were out in the woods. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a fucking flex. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were in the woods hiking, and we see this guy, a local guy, you know, walking down the trail towards us, and then a pack of dogs. So this is why I chose a pack of dogs for uh, Sasquatch. For Bigfoot, yeah. Oh. Bigfoot. And uh, we're like, hey, what's up? And he says hi, and him and his dogs, you know, move along. And then about a half hour later, our paths cross the opposite direction. He's got a pig slung over his back, and the dogs are all bloodied it up, bloodied up. And he just has a big long knife on his belt. He doesn't have a gun or anything. So the uh, the dogs pin the the pig down or whatever, and then the guy goes and stabs him in the heart and yeah. uh, unplugs that's, that's it. So, <laughs> yeah. Unplugs him. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. is that's some manly hunting. Yeah. So I've been on some of those hunts, and it's terrifying. Yeah, because like I grew up in the city. We didn't have dogs. Like I, I sound very southern, but I didn't grow up in the country. Um, wouldn't have dogs or any of that stuff. But I've been on those hunts, mm-hmm. and I've seen those hunts, and. You know, the idea, well, dogs are so efficient at tracking stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that's how, like, if you want to hunt mountain lion, that's how you have right. to do it. Like, really in the snow, because they're, like, the smartest creatures on the planet. So, you have to hunt them in the snow and then with dogs to, to really be able to get one. So, with pigs, too. So, they do it. And, like, for me, it's super heartbreaking. Like, to me, the soft part of me, I don't like those hunts because the dog, and, and, and I'm not, su- like, I like dogs. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a super dog person or anything, but the dogs get fucked up yeah. in those hunts. Yeah. You know, the pigs, like, rip them open. And a good friend of mine who who I went with when I was a little bit younger um, doing those hunts, you, you know, he had all the antibiotics, the sutures, everything. And when his dogs got cut up mm-hmm. from the pigs and stuff like that, when they were trying to, I don't know, what do they call it, like, nose it or whatever, where they grab it by the muzzle, and that's mm-hmm. how the guy goes in and stabs it. Um but he would stitch his dogs up. Sometimes yeah. he'd have to kill him. Like he couldn't yeah. save the dog. 
And I'm like, how in the world do you do that? Like, yeah. like I said, like, you know, had dogs and love dogs, but I, I'm, yeah, I'd imagine they're not pets. They're tools. Well, yeah. Yeah. And that's you know. so what, that's the disconnect. I never, yeah. I, I could never get to. So I, I respect that, but that's a hunting I don't participate in, but I want yeah. to continue. I was gonna say that's foreign to me too, but like even talking to Nick, the engineer here, who's from Kansas, um, but yep. he was explaining that like those dogs, they're not like from the outside. I see them like, oh, these dogs live with this guy, and then they just got mauled by whatever, and he killed it, whatever. I get it, but it's not like that. Like Nick was saying, those dogs, like if you bring one into the house for a week, it'll never hunt the same way again. Yeah. Like you can ruin a dog. So yeah, it's just it's foreign to me, and I understand it. But I'm in the same boat as you. It's like I get why you got to do that not really the hunt for me yeah these dogs they had big thick tall leather collars yeah and they were fighting dogs yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean they're it's interesting i mean i think everybody should have to do it i mean i mean it's an interesting thing if you want to eat meat like it, it's not pretty killing another animal and, and you know i i occasionally take some criticism from people here i mean it's a pretty liberal area where we live in general on the seacoast but the idea of hunting and kill... But if you eat meat, someone kills the animal that you kill or yeah. that you eat. Someone, Every time. Someone kills the animal that you eat. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to ask another man to kill my food, which it's fine if they do, but I need to be willing to do it as well. Well, there's also just a, a completely different connection to what you're eating if you're the one that killed it and processed it and all that. It's just... I think that, like you said, you go to the store and buy meat. It's just meat. It is what it is. But... If you're the one that humped through the mountains and or wherever, even just sat in the woods for two weeks straight, and you shot that animal, and you process it, you put in the work. There's a connection you now have, and you're doing the right thing by fighting it. I think you're a long-haired hippie. I don't really have that. <laughs> I think well, just I, don't be a hypocrite. You know, if you're gonna eat meat, yeah, don't right. give people shit for hunting. Yeah. If you are a vegetarian, accept the fact that those farms or those fields where the vegetables came from. Are those, kill- those were feeding rabbits and mice and bugs and all this shit. And right. you're killing animals yeah, by exactly uh, by taking those trees out yeah. and the pesticides and everything mm-hmm. else. Even organic farming so, still so, kills so, animals. Right. Yeah. So who are you mm-hmm. to decide which insect or animal is more valuable? Yeah. I, I think you're right. It's, it's being a hypocrite. And mm-hmm. like I don't. I mean, I got to be honest, Jade. Like that's a sweet sentiment. But, <laughs> You but, kill a lot more animals than I do. I kill a lot of stuff, but I enjoy and I thank God for every freaking steak I have, whether I kill it or I'm at Ted's Montana Grill. Like I don't care. I'm just happy to. I'm happy to eat and have good food. Um, so I, yeah, I don't get caught up in that. But yeah, the hypocritical stuff. Hmm. Like I, I never thought about it until like ten years ago. But yeah, if you want to be organic or you want to be a vegan or a vegetarian or any of these other things like when you take trees out and you, you know, you, you basically destroy the habitat for animals. You're killing yeah. animals by doing that yeah. to plant, you know, I don't know, greens. So yeah, yeah it's, stupid. If it's a health choice. Great. If it's an ethical thing, I don't know. Well, I, I don't necessarily like my farm in Georgia was next to like this chicken processing plant. Oof. And that will make you never eat a chicken nugget again. Yep. I can assure you of that. Though I love chicken, fried chicken. I'm from the South. Love the fried chicken. Chick-fil-A, shout out. Um, but w- seeing that, knowing how that's done, I don't really want stuff from there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, but, you know, there's probably a lot of restaurants if I worked in the kitchen I wouldn't want to eat at either. Mm-hmm. But Well, kind of along the same lines is the whole 
the ethics and, and the conservation, all that, you had the opportunity. Some people might freak out, but you had the opportunity to shoot a giraffe. Oh, maybe, my God. And it wasn't necessarily your first choice, but oh. that's a cool story, I think. Oh, the giraffe story? Yep. Man, so I was with Jared again, <laughs> my redneck hunting partner. Um, so Jared and I went to Africa, and we were, south, and we were in South Africa, near Kruger, actual uh, national park. And Jared wanted to shoot a giraffe. And Jared, American Precision Arms, I believe Jared is the best rifle maker for a 700-based custom gun in America. I've seen what he does, the part of his life that he puts into it. And what's so interesting, and I've told that story before, but I've got four or five rifles from him. And when you buy a rifle from Jared, you're buying a week of his life. And, and, and now I sound like you about the freaking... Oh, you have a connection. That means I know a connection. Like I feel like I should grow my hair out. You had long hair at one point. Yeah, we won't get into how long ago. (laughs) Glory days. (laughs) Oh, I was slaying. Fade black and white. Yeah, (laughs) this whole thing's in black and white. Never mind. (laughs) You guys are idiots. So, um, so yeah, Jared built a double rifle, and um. It was beautiful and it was incredible. And it's like a 570 nitro or something horrible you would never want to shoot unless a lion's trying to kill you. And um, so we're there and we go to this one ranch, this big ranch, 57,000 acres. And uh, it's this incredibly, one of the wealthiest men in the world owns this ranch. And we're there, we're guests of him. And, um, Jared and I, right in the gate, shoot warthogs. Like, we're going bananas. And uh, then we see a rhino. And it's really, like, sombering, like, watching this rhino and seeing how huge it is. And then it had a calf with it, so it was a cow. And a a rhino calf is about the cutest thing you will ever see in the entire world. It was pretty cool. And uh, the woman that was the biologist for this ranch, so... We're, we're, we go in, uh, uh, my pH was good friends with her and we're talking to her about a lot of things on the ranch and they had elephants, they had lions, they had all kinds of stuff, but they only had a couple lions and the owner of the ranch is terrified of lions. So the lions that they had were castrated and that's one of the big predators for giraffes. And so the giraffe and zebra, apparently, according to this biologist, are very hardy and they're prolific breeders. And you have to manage them because they also overgraze both those animals. So if the the zebra, uh, uh, if the population's too big, it overgrazes, then it's like all the food that like the kudu and everything else eats. Um, and so they can wipe out inadvertently populations of other animals. So you have to manage all the populations. So, so the management is a huge part. It's the major part of conservation. And, you know, and just this understanding. So anyway, Jared wants to shoot a giraffe. So we go in there, and Jared's got his own pH. We talked to her for a little while, and she points them in a section of the ranch where there are some mature giraffe bulls for Jared to shoot. Takes off. And so then she comes over to me and her and my PH, they're talking, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she's like, so you want to shoot a giraffe? And I was like, nah, I don't want to shoot a giraffe. I was like, I have no interest in shooting a giraffe. And she says, well, and she starts explaining to me, like they have high fences in South Africa to keep out poachers, not to keep animals in. So it's a little backwards from high fences in America. 
and she says, listen, I get it. Um, she says, so here's what's going to happen. We have to kill another 20 or whatever the number of giraffes were um, to maintain the proper population because they eat from like 6 to nine or six to 12 feet in the air in this particular vegetation, and we only have this much of it on this ranch. So we have to maintain the population so we can keep a healthy population. So she says, if in a month from now, I'm going to fly around. I'm going to shoot whatever it was, 20 or 30. I'm going to shoot them from a helicopter. And then we'll, do, you know, and they donate everything to like local indigenous people and stuff. So she's like, I'm going to do that. They're going to die anyway. So she's like, if you want to shoot one, she says, your buddy just went to shoot one. I know where the largest bull on the property lives. And Benny, my PH, it's like he's very familiar with the ranch. I'll send you in that direction. And I'm like, well, it's going to die anyway. You're going to donate the food and all this. Oh, okay, maybe I'll do it. And she says, well, do you have um, a suitable gun? And I'm like, well, I have the fix in 308. That's what I'm hunting with. She's like, well, I'll give you my gun. And I said, well, mm, I'm not really interested in shooting anything without our rifle. And she says, well, she asked Benny, she says, can he shoot okay? And he's like, yeah, he can shoot okay. He says, well, okay, I'll let you use it. Shoot him in the ear. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do my best. How close can we get? And she's like, probably 100 yards. I said, oh, yeah, I can probably do that. Giraffe's big, ear's big. I can make a shot. So we go, and we go up on this mountain for a couple hours, and we find. She says, I'm going to tell you where the biggest bull is. And she's like, he's an asshole. He's, like, mature, and he's holding other bulls down, and he's killed some other giraffe. She's like, if you don't shoot him, I'm going to shoot him. I said, okay. She says, and he'll be bigger than your buddies. He'll be bigger than Jared's giraffe, so you can rub it in his face. I was like, okay, I'm into that. <laughs> and so anyway, we go. We spend a couple hours spotting. We go stalk. Well, it was it was like during the rut, during breeding. So we had eight cows with him. And the thing is, like, the vegetation where we were and where he was on the ranch is only like 12, 15 feet high. Well, they're like, I don't know how tall they are, but like 30 feet tall. They can see over everything. And so they see us stalking. They wanted us, she wanted me to get a hundred yards, but he had, you know, it's like eight cows. So there's, you know, nine animals with eyes on us the whole time. So every time we would get like 150 yards, they would run for a hundred or 200 yards. So we spend hours doing this. And finally my guide's like, can you make this shot at 200 yards? I'm like, yeah, I think I can. He's like, just freaking shoot him from here. And so I did. And so it was a 308 Hornady, shout out, GMX, 165 grain out of a 16-inch barrel, the fixed rifle with the trash panda silencer with Johnny engraved on it. We can put that in the video right here. <laughs> <laughs> now, so um, I shoot him, and he drops. like, And, you know, I shot him over, like, 15-foot vegetation. Uh, and just, bam, and you see a dust cloud. And it's, like, 200 yards away, and it's like you could feel the earth shake. He weighed 3,800 pounds. It is a ginormous animal. And um, <laughs> anyway, if I had seen Jared shoot first, I never would have done it. Because Jared with a 570, he shoots his. Generally, you shoot a giraffe in the heart because the heart for like a landman, I think it's the largest like landman where the biggest heart because it's got to pump, you know, the blood all the way up the neck to, to its head. And so you shoot him in the heart. So Jared, 570, five shots, double gun, reloaded two times. Damn. 
It was a massacre. And it was far more upsetting than one shot in the <laughs> ear, drop dead, easy pleasy Japanese. Like it was I don't we can't say that anymore, can we? I don't it know. Japanese stuff. is still a thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I get it. anyway, so <laughs> and there's such you and it was so beautiful and such an honor. And and so now we're getting a shoulder mount, which should be here in the next couple months for right. the lobby of this place. But it's so big, you get a shoulder mount and I get a giant rug for my house. So right. I'm totally stoked on that. And we donated all the meat to the local village and then the local village as well. It's pretty cool. The leg bones, you know, the leg bones are like six feet long and they carve them out into all these scenes. So I have all these leg bones. I paid to have that done. So I'm going to like give those to you guys actually. Um, so that's coming in as well. When, so that, was, when was this? Oh my God. I don't know. That was a, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. But the skull on a giraffe that size, it's amazing. And, and I don't even know what the things are called on top of their head. Oh, they're, but they're like the only ones that grow. It's part of their skull. So, yeah, it's part of their skull. Yeah. But they break them fighting. So they use their right. heads and they kick to fight. Um, and they're fucking mean, which, which I was surprised because they, they look so sweet and nice and beautiful. Anyway, we're getting uh, the rug, but its skull is like this tall and this. Uh, right. it, it, it's, like a dinosaur. I mean, you think. 3,800 pound animal. Yeah. So I don't know. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like 20 atoms stacked up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a cool giraffe Hawaii story. No, me either. Like, yeah. <laughs> Shot some white tail and I'm that, content with that. Yeah. yeah so that's so cool. So where is this mount? I mean, that, that was a long time ago. I don't know. You, you know, the problem is Jared shot an elephant while we were there. And like, that's such a sensitive subject now and elephants, which. Like, I love elephants, and they're so cool, but they also destroy so much habitat that you have to manage the populations. But it's such a, a, a real bitch to export the elephant now and bring it into the country. It's del- It delayed our entire shipment. Because I, I shot 14 animals while I was there, and I'm bringing those back. So some of those are shoulder mounts, some are skull mounts and rugs. But Jared's elephant held everything up by like a year. Hmm. So they're in process now, but I've heard it's all close to being done because I'm having some shoulder mounts, some skull mounts. Like skull mounts, I'll probably mount the house, shoulder mounts for here, Um, and rugs because, you know, know, my house is all like all hardwoods and I wanted rugs. I don't know. Be here soon, but I thought the shoulder mount would be awesome for the lobby, you know, a 12-foot-tall shoulder mount. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm the realist. I mean, I still got love for the streets, Jay. That is true. You do still have love for the streets. Yeah. So, all right. Well, what's up, Jay, since you're running this shit? Yeah, I'll run it. Any other brain buster customer questions? No good ones. I didn't pose any questions just because people don't follow the rules. The, we, the goose sheriff wasn't in town to patrol the, the comment section. Mm-hmm. If I say, hey, make us pick between two things, and you go, can I shoot my... Five five six through a cherry bomb. That's not what I. When's the Erector Nine going to yeah, be exactly. in stock? Yeah, I was thinking about this. So one of the companies that I admire the most in our industry historically. Ooh, let's guess. Currently, okay, guess. High Point. No. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I I like High Point actually. I don't know about their pistol, but that that carbine, I'm kind of down with that. Man, you get something for like a hundred. I don't know what it is. Three hundred yeah, bucks now. I don't know. It works. It's cool. But no, Jay. What you got, Adam? Bergara. Okay, it's Bagara. Bagara. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I mean, I like them. Tomato, uh, tomato. It, 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 it's kind of like I like art. 
I like Bagara because Remington is a bunch of losers and douchebags, and they ruined themselves, and Bagara came in and did something a little better than what they were doing. So I respect Bagara in that, but, you know, like a 90-degree throw and all that, it's not my thing. Hmm. I like Bagara. If you want a traditional bolt gun, I like Tika. Probably like Tika a little better. But um, you stumped us. No. Ooh, Magpul is who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Magpul Great is cool. Now, Magpul to me, too, being the elitist and snob that I am, half their products suck. I don't like most of their metal products. But they've done so much innovation, so much cool stuff in our industry. I applaud them. I'm envious of them. Uh, I want them to be supported. We support them. We use a lot of their products and mm-hmm. our products. Um, I love Magpul. I love a lot of the personnel. I love a lot of the things they've done, and I love how they've changed the industry, even from a marketing perspective. So I'm going to ask you two fellows, the ACR, it was the Masada. Magpul designed it. Is that a success? Define success. That's the right. That, well, that's why you're the CEO. I don't know enough that's about That's why the you're not the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying so, to work up to a hug right now, all right? <laughs> yeah. So here's how I'll view it. You're both right. The Masada, so a lot of people, maybe no one knows this. Maybe you don't even know this, Adam. So before Remington purchased Advanced Armament for me, they contracted me and Ethan and Robert Silvers to consult on their decision with the ACR rifle, so with the Masada rifle. They had, the way it was presented to us, they were, evaluating whether or not to engage Magpul in a royalty agreement and to buy the rights to the gun. What had actually happened was they were already committed and somebody wanted a second opinion and they hired us. And we go in, we spend a week at Remington with this gun going over a bunch of stuff. And the result was Ethan and Robert and myself said, give them the gun back. Do not take the gun. And the way they presented it to us was we have a quarter of a million dollar obligation to pay them if we do not take the rifle at this point into production. So we evaluated it based on the information that we had, which in hindsight was incorrect and not truthful. But we evaluated the gun based on that. And our evaluation was give them the gun back. Don't take the gun. For less than a quarter of a million dollars, we can design a gun that is better than what it is. And we laid out why and what was wrong with it, what it would take, and why it was not a good reason. And they did it, and you see now. Like you say, Jay, who you were a, a, a little boy, you weren't even pubescent yet when this Probably happened. not. And, um, yeah, the gun's a disaster. It's heavy. There's some cool features, but overall, it's not awesome. The gun's too heavy. The gun's inaccurate. It doesn't offer enough features. It's not an, enough of an improvement over anything else that's out there to be worthwhile. Overall. Was it was the ACR before or after the SCAR? Like, was the SCAR already a thing? SCAR was first. SCAR was 2003. Okay. So, but, you know, the SCAR wasn't available commercially. Right. And, and, and when you enter into a military program like that, you have to kind of go through that. You offer something commercially because the, the product, the program it's ever changing until you hit that hard stop. Um, but it was a competitor and it was based on features of that gun and the Masada or the ACR had some interesting features. Um, but overall, depending on the requirement that you had, you know, the gun was heavy. It was inaccurate. 
there's just a lot of things that were could have been done better. And the ACR commercially was a failure, but what it was for Magpul to me, which was a huge success, which it was an exercise in their innovation and it was a marketing exercise. And that was a huge success. It made Magpul a real company and it took them from a $10 million company. And I think it helped to catapult them to a quarter of a billion dollar company. Um, so in my eyes, it was a success, even though the gun's a dog and a failure. And I would say the same thing, you know, you think about now I see Zeb's coming out with the Magpul Glock folding mm-hmm. apparatus. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It got Magpul. When we talked about SHOT Show being canceled last week or the week before, and what do you do, and is SHOT Show necessary? So how do you compete with everybody else wanting to get exposure Magpul made freaking magazines and things that went on magazines to pull them out and, and basic stuff that wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. They do stuff like this Glock folding gun. It gets some tons of press and awareness. That is a huge win for the company. That's a smart move, and I respect Magpul, and that's why it's a uh, success. I think that's yeah, the word. Success. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's a <laughs> That's why it's a whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but that's the cool part of Magpul. And, and the, those products, which I think commercially have not been a success, that's why they are a success, was it helped to grow the company and get awareness. And their plastic parts are really good. Their grips are awesome. Their mags are great. They make a lot of great products. They are memed products. That, a mm-hmm. bunch of the metal stuff, I think, is stupid. Well, they do stuff that's super affordable as well, too. Like That's because they do the mem. They have the volume right. to, to buy those big production molds. Right. Um, so that's but like certainly the, envious of that. Even like the their grips and stuff. Like if you were to get one of their foregrips or something, it's whatever forty, fifty bucks, something like that. This, no way. Really? Cheap. I don't know. You steal everything, so you don't know. I wish. Um, well, you you know their the, the grip that we put it's on like twenty bucks. Twenty. Well, because my this, my point being like oh, tango no, down thirty five dollars. Thank you. This no, bis- you said fifty. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're this, still wrong. This pistol grip only exists. So this is a, basically, this is a quick copy of the HK MP5 ambidextrous, so the burst or ambi lower. Which the Masada hat, or ACR, whatever you want to call it, had on it also, but it was molded into the receiver, or into the... Oh, yeah, we had uh, the plastic. The yep. only reason they did this grip was when we were doing the original Honey Badger, we needed a grip, and they were bros of ours so we talked to them and said hey we don't want we're getting into your lane we got to do a grip and we just want you to know we want you to do the grip and they said hey we're too busy we can't do a grip for the honey badger that's too low volume i said okay so just so you know we're going to do the grip and they were so afraid advanced armament was going to get in the plastics business they did the script for me (laughs) and you know it's probably why i'm partial to the grip now it's not the grip I wanted, but it's a grip they did for the gun. So it was compact, slim, lightweight for the LVAW, low visibility assault weapon program. Um, and it's on the Honey Badger today and on this gun. Mm-hmm. Now, we 3D printed a grip that was on the original Honey Badger, which is the Reptilia grip they have now, which is a better angle for a short gun. And it fills your hand up a little better. But that's this grip. Like, they do stuff like this great. Right. Magpul's great at this. I like the original one better that didn't have all the texture on it. 
which I think oh, is the yeah, one that smooth. got submitted on the LVW. Yeah, you, you do? I well, like Man, that when it's raining or whatever, like mm. it's wet, the grip's too slippery. I like this one. Mm. I think my point about that was just that like if you – so we decided it's like $35 for a foregrip. If you look at like the Tango Down stubby ones, it's like – 60 or 80 bucks like it's I don't trust insane. your judgment on pricing no Check no I, 65 I, 65 I, my I, guess no j, j how uh, much do you think that grip is the k grip mm-hmm. 28 dollars 20 check the tango down stubby right now 65 dollars guaranteed you promise to shut up if you're wrong yeah okay the qd version check it either yeah whatever. give them the benefit of the doubt yeah if one of them is 60 or 65 that's the one i mean no. Kevin, how much do you think it is? I bet it is. Which one? The one that mounts to 1913 or the yes. one with yeah, the... Yeah, but it, yes. has, it has a QD uh, No, lever. that thing, because they buy that from another company. Yeah, well, so no, I right, hold on. Track. So that one... I guarantee the, it's crazy the, money. The standard one is uh, $41.98. $72.37. Oops! Oops! <laughs> you were wrong, too. Does, I said I said sixty or eighty. The price is right. Sure, He's 65. closer than me. I guess that so. is ridiculous. Oops. Tango down should be out of business. That's what I'm saying. You Magpul does. You stuff. cloners are fucking the market up. Well, I don't have one because it's seventy dollars. That's what the but, number of those I've thrown in the garbage. But that was my point. It's just I that. think I have one at the house, a black one. I'll sell it to you for seventy dollars. <laughs> Thirty-seven. If, if you give it to him, I'm going to slap the glasses off your head. <laughs> sell it to him. Yeah. We talked about it offline, but what is the um. The reason why the ACR was so inaccurate. Well, for the listeners, the uh, interrupted thread barrel attachment. So a fast attached barrel, the trunnion wasn't stiff enough to support it. You know, the 240 uses the same, which is what they modeled it after. Uh, same mechanism attachment method. And it's accurate, but you know, you got a 25 pound gun and you know, the trunnion or the attachment, the part that the the female part attaches to is stiff. Hmm. Not with the uh, Masada. Nope. Nope. Or ACR. So what did the MCX do differently that was better than, than the ACR's execution? Well, the MCX barrel has a semi-traditional barrel extension on it that fits into the receiver, and then the receiver clamps around it. Um Still a fast attached barrel, yeah. but that's probably not even the best way to do it, but it was accurate enough for the standard that it was made for. Right. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you can clamp the receiver around, it gets stiff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like that in the ACR. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I like the really good ACRs, and I don't know if they ever offered them commercially, but we did some for the military and stuff. We lightened the gun up, made it more accurate. We did away with the fast attached barrel portion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying on the Magpul thing, and you're talking about the little foldy Glock thing that they're making. Mm-hmm. The box, whatever you want. What is it called? I don't know. I didn't see the name of it. I don't remember. Well, you better... Okay, social media. But I'm glad they came out with it, and that kind of goes back to the thing we were talking about last week with the P320 and the potential for that platform. Um, Drake came to us at SIG a long time ago to ask if we wanted to do that foldy gun with the 320 chassis. Drake from Magpul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We didn't end up doing it there, obviously, but um, they've been pushing it for a long time. Or I should say Drake's been pushing it for a long time. I'd imagine he has yeah. some support. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think Drake's got a good eye for the industry, and the industry's grown, and there's a lot of people that be super into that now. Well, how many, I mean, much like the Station 6 or the B&T Wellrod, mm-hmm. is this is that foldy Glock, is it another, another novelty? Do you think it's only another, like, 
a couple thousand people buy one or no i think the the glock i mean when you talk about like a 1022 or a glock you've got millions of potential customers so i i think the foldy glock you got tens of thousands of customers probably that ought to be the name the foldy glock the, the foldy glock F- it's good fdp9 well that's or a stupid FDC9? name c9 oh, everybody's wanting that like they're in the military the fold mm-hmm. d pistol Mm, I, I like that. that. I think that's, that's cool. what it is. Full FDP. Full. It does yeah. look cool. Didn't they? They just did something else too, right? I think they just. I They've been remember. dropping all kinds of new stuff. Yeah, they did a um. I think a drum mag for the MP5 the, and the Glock and the Glock. Yeah. The the uh, Scorpion mags. Yeah, they dropped a lot of new stuff. New sights. New folding yes, sights. That's right. Yep. And bus pros again for cheap, like cheaper than their. What do you think they cost? Let's keep playing this I game. I think I think together as a set, a hundred bucks. Hmm. Hundred and ninety. As a set? Well, if if I buy the front and the rear individually and do the math. Well, are there any uh accessories? We don't I feel like we don't talk about accessories a whole lot. Um Q offers accessories. Hmm. Are there any that are like do you have any that you think are kind of overlooked that you really, really like or that you get a lot of use out of? I mean, it's hard because all our stuff is back ordered. But if you want to build a, a shorty 300 blackout AR, if you don't buy our barrel, you're dumb. Um, our one in five twist, adjustable gas block, tapered muzzle, which is reverse compatible with square shoulder stuff. You buy our little taper adapter. Gas block jam nut. Yeah, well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's that's awesome. way better than, you know, having to pin your gas block in place. Um, that's a wonderful accessory. Our hand guards are great. They're super lightweight. They're M lock. They're in a couple of links. Attaches with a turnbuckle, aluminum. Um, uh, what is that called? A barrel nut. Yep. 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 Is very good. Um, you know, and even I don't know. I I did our um, bottle rocket. So the muzzle brake extension to the cherry bomb which is to give you two additional chambers which is extremely effective and the cherry bomb and it together the weight of the surefire brake um that's a great accessory the plan b but i mean all the stuff is i mean people know already i mean right. and, the, and the stuff is back ordered and sells out instantly um the whistle tip <laughs> yeah <laughs> Go, you gotta be up in the morning cooking <laughs> breakfast yeah uh, i love the whistle tip if you don't have a silencer yet if you haven't gotten it it's great because the cherry bomb's so efficient it's incredibly loud and shakes your eyeballs out of your head um and the whistle tip directs all the sound down range it's an awesome accessory but i think people have caught on they sell out instantly um we got to do a better job at manufacturing production how about i don't think we talk about it a whole lot we here and there but how about qcert like, do you think people uh, know about QCert enough? No, I don't think they do, and I think we're losers for not having an AR handguard already in QCert. Mm-hmm. Well, what's QCert? So QCert. So 10, 11, 12 years ago, during the MSR program, that's the modular sniper rifle for Remington for SOCOM, we did uh, a mounting solution. This is pre-MLOC. So you have stainless steel threads that you thread something into a rail that would snap into a little M-lock looking void in the rail, which have recoil lugs on into it. You would torque this thing down. It's great. The problem is originally they did it with um, helicoils, 
which you kind of thread in and the tolerance in the rail hole if it wasn't right they would pull out easily so that sucked so then they did um time certs which was a thing you press in from the front but again if the tolerance wasn't correct which remington sucked and wasn't great at this sort of stuff then the time certs would pull out so what we did coming here we knew there was potential for it and ethan and i were involved we did the Q-cert, which is uh, a similar way to go. So you have a void in the rail that's bigger than the M-lock. Uh, what would you call that? Like the hole for the M-lock. Slot. A slot. Yeah. Slot. And then on either end, there is a, a hole and it's stainless steel threads that are threaded. And so you have a rail section or whatever you put on there that has a recoil lug that goes into the slot. And then there's two holes for the screws, and you torque those down into a stainless steel insert. And the insert is pressed in from the rear with an anchor on the back. And that's the right way to do it because the tolerance range doesn't matter quite as much. We have a little more allowance for tolerance, and we can torque those screws in. And when you loosen them, they spark. They're so good. And each point holds 900 pounds of pull. Q-cert is awesome. And, for instance, on the fix, the Q-cert handguard we offer an M-lock handguard too. The QCERT handguard, I think, has 39 stainless steel components in it, where the M-lock handguard has like two, and the QCERT handguard weighs two ounces less than the M-lock. It's a lot easier to install or to remove, and it's a lot stronger than M-lock. You know, M-lock was done because they can mold it into plastic as well, um, but it's not the right way to mount stuff. It's better than a lot of other ways, but the Q-cert, Q-cert's the best way. And hopefully, we'll have an AR handguard available at some point when we get off our butts. Yeah. We've worked on it. Um, the challenge with the Q-cert AR handguard is that it's the thickness, the overall thickness, to account for that uh, anchor on the back of the inside of the uh, Q-cert insert. So the overall diameter of the handguard on the outside will have to be bigger than the diameter of like an M-lock equivalent. Um, but it's also going to be lighter still right? because the slots are so much bigger. Um, yeah. So that's the trade-off. So that's one of the challenges that we faced when we were making it. Yeah, anything Q-cert, if you can put it on your gun, you should use it. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Like if you want to be able to zero stuff, lasers, optics, mount stuff, lights, it'd be reliable, easy to install, easy to remove, very strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the way, because you don't even think about the weight, too, of then the M-lock attachments that you put onto the gun have to be larger and contain more parts because it's M-lock. With Q-cert, it's just the apparatus and two screws. It's easy. Super easy. Um, For those interested, if um, any third party wants to make uh, Q-cert handguard or accessories, we have the technical data uh, on the website under the resources tab which has yeah. all the dimensions for the slots. Yeah, because we offer the muzzle drawings and stuff there as well, right? Yep. Like the muzzle tapers that mm-hmm. even like the Griffin sisters could copy without bootleg yeah. reverse en- engineering stuff mm-hmm. and make it work. Yeah. I've seen some people ask about it, and I, I think it was something we just haven't really discussed too much. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite accessory that we sell that might be underrated um, or not talked about much? I appreciate the whistle tip a lot just because... I have shot just to just to see without a can mm-hmm. and use the cherry bomb and it is a little jarring sometimes. Yeah. Um and I just I like the video, I like the origin of it. Yeah. But um I think the Atlas 
the little atlas uh, plate is really cool. Oh, I yeah. let I for for so the atlas plate for the for QCert for QCert yes yeah, exactly for QCert to put the atlas bipod on there and eliminate the 1913 and all that. Yeah. Uh, who's that American Defense or whatever their quick throw stuff that Atlas sells? Yeah, eliminates all that stuff. So the height and the weight. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. I think it's cool. I, I like, like the Atlas it. bipod a lot. So it's good. All the Q cert stuff is super cool, just for the the nature of the system. Even the uh, the sling mount, where you oh, put yeah, in yeah, one yeah. end and it anchors yeah. itself down, and you only have to use one screw. Right. I think that's pretty handy, and that shows the what the system can actually do uh, for simplicity of accessories. Yeah. I hope it becomes more popular, QCert, once mm. people really understand it. And maybe this will help mm. give people an understanding. And I hope that it becomes more common and we start getting more, even if it's third party, even if it's our friends at Magpul. Yeah. Well, well I they'll, mean, I, they'll I, never do it because I'm right. But yeah. I mean, eventually they will when we defeat mm-hmm. them. It's just like True. companies that were doing 300 Whisper back in the day when we did 300 Blackout. Like, eventually they come around. Yeah. It's the right thing. Magpul come around. Well, mm-hmm. Keymod was real popular for a little bit, and then then Magpul came out, or uh, M-Lock came out and said, well, we can do it lighter and more effective. And yeah, that was Crane's fault. Maybe. They didn't read the instructions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I didn't know that. <laughs> n- 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 neither is. Yeah the the right solution i, I think mean, for a period of time mlock was the best we had and i think i don't know why is it better than what's it called key mod key mod i think there were issues with uh with key mod the actual attachment system stuff ripping out key mod was definitely more sensitive when it came to using the proper torque value but when you use the proper torque value i think it worked fine and yep. it used it didn't need the high torque because it used tapers to stay locked um, that helped the alignment and all that stuff, which is cool. Now yeah. we got we got QCert, so yeah, mm. we got it. Yeah. We need everyone else to have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the Army demo at Fort Benning when at Target was broken. Oh man! So when we developed 300 Blackout, they were developing the next five five six round as well, and we showed up at Fort Benning to do uh, a demonstration of 300 Blackout. And we had a nine-inch barrel, we had 12-inch barrel, we had 16-inch barrel. So they, we got there in the afternoon. The demo was actually the next day. We knew the guys there, so we go to the range the afternoon that we get there. They're shooting five, five, six to 100 yards at this metal target that it was like, uh, what, do, what do you call those? Like a pepper popper, sort of flip target. What do, I, don't, I don't know. No, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So they're shooting it all day and showing us. And the first shot out of 300 blackout, the target broke. The welds broke. The target fell apart. Very first shot. Like, I couldn't have set it up better myself to show how it, uh, you know, inside 300 meters, 300 blackout was a superior round to 5.56. That's pretty cool. Sometimes. Was that that a sub? No, it was a super sound. But... You know, I mean, I don't know. You swing the bat, you hit some home runs. Like, what, what do you say? Like, it was it was a great demo. I couldn't have set it up better myself. It was pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Do you know, um, off the top of your head, the actual 300 blackout that's been used downrange to shoot people? Yeah. Um, I know the first, the first one that was used, the guy said he was shooting 220 subs. Yeah, headshot. Do you know if there was ever... A switch like do you know if they're running supers or subs like do you know well i don't know that was not really a 
sanctioned right situation but um there's a 110 solid copper barrier blind bullet that's been adopted that's been used and is very effective out of short barrels and there's a comparable round that's uh, offered commercially um but yeah i mean i i know out of short barrels it's been done and it's effective and it's just like when we talked about earlier and i played you guys the pig video mm-hmm. same same round yeah um yeah 300 blackout with the right bullet short barrel it's effective on target and yeah so yeah i mean it was adopted by the military they use it and it's primarily special operations well that kind of leads me into the idea of the mini fix um i saw people mm. very recently in our comments kind of complaining saying a precision gun with that short of a barrel and a heavy round what's the point so, I mean, they're stupid. It, I, it's kind of like precision. What's precision mean? So now I have a gun that's 18 inches long, fits in, you know, you can sling it. You can put it in a backpack. You can do anything. You know, for me, from a hunting standpoint on the East Coast, very few shots are over 100 yards. And I use a climbing stand or a ladder stand with a traditional gun I climb the stand. I have to pull this thing up with a rope. This, I can sling it or I keep it in my backpack and it's with me the whole time. And I've shot two deer while climbing a stand before. Um, The idea is the fast twist barrel and the taper, this gun is a precision gun. So this will give you the best accuracy out of any 300 blackout heavy subsonic bullet. And as well as supersonic is going to put more energy on target with the fast twist. Uh, It's a precision gun. It's a bolt gun. It's not a gas-operated gun. There's not uh, a piston moving over the barrel, slapping the bolt, affecting accuracy. Uh, it's probably the best accuracy you're going to get out of a short barrel 300 blackout. And so that is a precision gun. doesn't mean you're going to shoot PRS with it. Right. Um, but for a 100-meter gun, for shooting whitetail, shooting pigs, shooting black bear, um, it's a great choice. You could put a red dot on top of it. You could put uh, a low-power variable optic. Yeah. Um, and you can do a lot with the gun. You can shoot it without the silencer. You can mount a silencer to it, and you shoot subsonic. Now it's as quiet as a compound bow. Yeah. So if you're hunting um, in your yard, which seems crazy, but a lot of people do throughout the country, especially in the Midwest, you know, here's your compact gun that can do it. And you're not going to have more fun with a firearm. No, you know, no. like Silence 22s are lots of fun, but 300 Blackout, where you can shoot a 220-grain bullet, shoot still with your friends, and it be so quiet that you don't wear hearing protection or disturb your neighbors, but you got a big impact on target. This gun's great. you got a great trigger. you got AR ergonomics. you got a short-throw bolt, arm brace, so this thing is sold as a pistol. takes AR mags. You have Q-Cert, which we talked about, Perfect. which is awesome. Full-length top rail in case you want to mount some thermal or night vision up front like I do for hunting pigs at night. Mm. I mean, even in its defense, as far as stretching it out, I think Alabama Arsenal had a video where... They shot 1,000 yards. Yeah, 1,000 yards with that and that exact yeah. configuration. They so. shot farther than me. I shot 950 at a 18-inch plate yeah. and uh, was able to be yeah. consistent. So for people wondering, just buy one shoot it. Or define precision, you jackass yeah. shooting PRS. <laughs> yeah. Don Jr., he's a friend of yours. He's been here, built a gun. Very nice guy, very down to earth. Yeah, that fucker's okay. I know there's a, a little story oh, God. involving some underwear. 
or lack thereof, perhaps. <laughs> do you care? Do you care to? Uh, well, you know, it, 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 it's so funny because being friends with him, and I don't know his father, but I know his father. How everyone else knows his father, and so I had my preconceived notions of Don Jr. when I met him. And he came to meet me um, specifically because of the fixer rifle. And, um, you know, now in hindsight, knowing Don Jr. and Eric, his brother, his younger brother, they both, their whole lives revolve around hunting and shooting in the outdoors. And you would never think that knowing their father. Like, I don't even know if their father's ever shot a gun. Have no idea. I would doubt it. But, you know, I could be wrong. So anyway, um, Don comes to meet me about the fixed rifle because Junior, he loads um, over 30 different calibers. He's super into shooting. Eric builds his own guns. Um, they're just really into it. They spend all their spare time when they're not with their families hunting and fishing. And he came to see me about the fixed rifle, asked me a bunch of questions. You know, we kind of hit it off, became friends, stayed in touch. We started hunting stuff together. You know, he's been here a couple of times, builds guns, whatever. Um, but the very first hunt he invited me on, I was shocked because I go, and this was early in the presidency, and uh, I get there, and it's a hunting lodge, and it's kind of reserved for him for this week because of uh, secret service and security and concerns of that nature. Um but there's like 20 rooms and we're only utilizing as a group, like four rooms. And he and I shared a room and it's just like a normal hotel room, kind of where there's two like queen size beds, one bathroom, you share a room, like whatever. And, you know, secret service was staying not in our room, obviously. Um, and he and I shared a room. So, uh, you know, you have a thing at the end of the bed, you put your suitcase on, you open it up, you got your shit for the week, we're going through it. And so we're like three days in, and I always take my thermal night vision. I use it in one of our Q bags, which we have these little, I don't know what they call them, but like backpack gym bags, like kids use for high school for their gym clothes. And I only know that because my kids are in high school. But um, they're leopard print, and they're real silky looking, and they got a Q tag on them. And I always put my thermal night vision in that, and I put it in my luggage. And it was in there, and it's kind of on top of my luggage. And we're not going out at night for the first few days. We're hunting during the day. And um, I don't think anything of it. And on, like, the fourth day, we're going out in the evening to go pig and predator hunting. And I pick that up, and I pull my thermal out of it. And... You know, like he just gotten out of the shower. He's like in his underwear. He's like standing over here next to me. And I'm like getting my shit ready. And he's like, oh, thank God. And I'm like, fuck you talking about, dude. He's like, man, I thought you had some like big girl panties in there. <laughs> Something like, like you were wearing them? leopard print. <laughs> he saw it in my suitcase and thought I had like some girl's panties in my suitcase. Like <laughs> they, something weird. They do look it, like it. Ah, yeah, they do. So, but. That was what it was, but he was so funny. He laughed about it, and then we went and shot stuff. That's cool. But he seemed very, like, again, I only knew of his father, and my opinion is not. It's whatever. But 
when he came here, obviously it's a little serious thing with all the the Secret Service coming. Yeah, what do you have like eight or ten yeah. Secret Service? Yeah, and they're guys they're here. at work. They're not here to talk to any of us or whatever, yeah. and they just kind of they make that known. But yeah, I offered him a coffee, and you think I just bribed him? Oh to do yeah. Something? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when we like, there's a a little convenience store next to next to Q that we frequent Buzzies shout out Patty at Buzzies our track stop Um, so we a couple of us went over and just grabbed a coffee or whatever and walking back there were another six or seven like vehicles out there there were police here all just parked waiting and he must have been coming out the door as we were walking up and the Secret Service froze us and stepped us back and all of a sudden you just saw us in there like we're not but I, I mean that family so to put it in perspective, you know, this is kind of sad and it's a sad state, you know, whether you want to blame Trump or you blame America or whatever. But I think, I believe this is true. It could be a lie, but I think that the Trump family has gotten more death threats than every other president in the history of the United States combined. Probably. And that's just sad. Yeah. He was, he, I mean, he was nothing like. I think anyone would no, just anticipate. And you think, and, and Don Jr., who, you know, I had my own preconceived notions about, and he's from New York, and I'm from the South, and, you know, and then there's his dad, and, you know, it's like, you know, he's like this rich kid, and, and I'm not going to like him. And, you know, it turned out, I mean, I mean, even today, so I go on a hunt with him tomorrow. Like, we're friends. We don't ever talk about that stuff. I don't care. Um, you know, of course I care. But where I've gotten to know him and his brother is through their love of firearms, shooting, hunting, conservation, fishing. And that's where I want our relationship to be. And in that regard, I completely respect the two of them. I don't give a shit who their mom or their dad is, who they're married to. I like them both very much as people. And so... I don't want to spoil it. So I don't, I don't think about those things, but it's funny. Like the first hunt we went on, you know, and then, uh, I don't see secret service for two days, Oh, you know, and, and we're hunting and stuff like that. And there's pictures of of Don and he's a man's man. Like, you know, he's not a, he doesn't play a rich kid and we're out there hunting. and, And at this point we were culling and doing some conservation work when he shoots something, he drags it, he guts it, he does everything himself. And there are people there that'll do it for us at the ranch that we go to. And he does it himself. And there's a lot of pictures. And I posted a couple with him shooting the fix, but I couldn't post most because he's all bloody. Right. And it's and it's because he, he was doing, you know, a lot of the work himself. I'm sure there are guys that you've hunted with too that are, are fairly well off or bigger names that will have people do it for them as well. Yeah, I mean, and I do it a lot when I go, um, you know, because, I mean, sometimes, like, I'm lazy, I don't want to do it, and then other times it's like they have someone right. that they pay, and he gets paid in tips, and that's his job, and I don't want to take his job. And uh, uh, But, yeah, certainly there has been. Um, but I have a ton of respect for him. and uh, He'll probably be a little more overt about that um, now that he's – uh, Trump's not president anymore, and right. now he's in field ethos. So he'll probably get more involved in displaying his involvement in a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I, I hope so. I think he. I hope he takes his own approach because I will say this: like I love lots of things that his father did and wanted to do for this country, and I think it's right. 
seeing his personality like all of us do from afar and through television and all these filters, I have my own opinions. But knowing Don Jr. and Eric personally, um, how genuine in I mean, just how interesting, smart, and, and how hands-on they are. Like, I have a lot of respect for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and thinking about it, like, their mom's Czechoslovakian, or I don't know, it's the Czech Republic now. I don't know what that make them. But when they were kids in the summer, they had to go there. And their mother has very simple beginnings. Um, and, and they were there in the summer, and they had to – they lived with their grandparents, her parents, and they had to help do the farming and the slaughtering and – you know, and, and their grandfather taught them hunting and fishing and all these things. And they're just different people than what you would think about as kids that grow up rich in New York. Um, and I really like them. And I hope that Junior doesn't get disgusted with politics. And I, I hope we see him run for president in the future. Like, I like him. I respect him. I think he's a brilliant guy. He's well-educated. He has a good view. Um on on the world and our country and our place and you know from my selfish standpoint on firearms uh hunting conservation all these sorts of things and and i think uh you know he's got a lot of good leadership qualities as well but i don't know i mean even if he doesn't like i, I hope we remain hunting partners and he's a cool guy yeah it's funny to see how many people comment not so much anymore obviously but before whether it was the the brace thing or or anything going on in the news that doesn't even have to do with guns. Hey, Don, you see, talk to your dad. Hey, talk to your have your buddy Don talk to his dad. Like I don't think you know it, how this works. No, they don't. I mean, people are stupid and they don't know how the law works. But also with him, I mean, I know with my own father. Like I'm not super close. I can't convince him to do anything, nothing, and he's not the president. Yeah. Like my dad was a factory worker. He's an asshole. I can't convince him of anything. I've been trying my whole life. And I'm a, like a reasonably smart guy. Like Don Jr., I mean, he, he, you know, he has his dad's ear, but I, I don't know that any of that ever mattered. Yeah. Like his dad didn't share a lot of the things that, that he holds as a value. And, you, you know, so it, like I, w- I mean, I got hundreds of those messages oh, yeah. over the years. And it, you know, and a lot of times my response would be, okay, tell your fucking dad to do something. Like, is he going to do it because you say so? Like, shut the fuck up. I don't know. It's sad. Like, America's so stupid, and we're letting it slip away, and it's sad. To answer your question about whether uh, Donald Trump Sr. is a gun guy, when he came into SIG when he was um, doing his <laughs> tour, you know the story, right? I do have my own version when oh. they asked me to give him the tour. Well, there was well, a he came in and asked, "Is this where the Glocks are made?" So <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. there was also a picture that was floating around when I was still there, of him holding, handing back a pistol <laughs> by the magwell, handing yeah. it back. Better than pointing at the person. Yeah, it was great, but it was just very evidently. And I remember yeah. when he obviously I mean, when he won, people were kind of at Sig specifically were championing championing him. It's gonna well, he's a gun guy. I mean, yeah. I, I I will say when I was a kid, he was obviously fairly liberal. Mm-hmm. And then as president, I won't say he did the best job. He doesn't get an A plus from a gun perspective. I'm not I'm not a, a, a um you know like a one topic voter. But lots of us are. Um, he's not the most pro-gun, but he was more pro-gun than Reagan or Bush 
or <laughs> well I, I was skipping the democrats <laughs> but yeah i mean he was so i honor him for that because you know 30 years ago donald trump was liberal he was a democrat and he did a better job i mean the bump stock thing was he was wrong and it was a fiasco and i hate he did that but he did you know reagan allowed machine guns to be banned bush senior who was also probably the most brilliant president we've ever had he was the head of the cia did lots of great things he also allowed the uh, banishment of foreign you know like imported Mm -hmm. uh assault weapons so fuck him for that um so i don't know how bad he did i mean i i would have liked to see better but i think he did pretty good overall but i think junior I hope becomes president because I think he'd become better. And then I can move to Yellowstone and I can be the uh, park ranger in charge of park management. Goose sheriff of Yellowstone. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will kick the shit out of everything. Let us know in the comments how you felt about this. Let us know if you think the ACR was a success. Let me know if Jay should cut his hair. Yeah, or if you need a price check, just email jay at livecureday.com. <laughs> no, don't email that, please. <laughs> Is that your email? It's like the personal, it's like our personal email. Yeah, <laughs> jay no, at livecureday.com. If you have any issues. You have any questions for Kevin. Yeah, email jay at livecureday.com. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we said it in the last one, but if you have anything, any art you want to see on here hung up mm-hmm. or anything like that. Podcast, What's up with the Rangers? They just won. All right, Thomas. It was a good podcast. <laughs> appreciate it. Like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, get notified. Yeah. If this sucks, we'll kill it, so don't let it die. I'm Adam. <laughs> what? Oh, I thought we were signing off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> sign off you guys have had. What do you well, want? Podcast at livecureday.com. <laughs> I'm Thomas. I'm cutting it. Thanks, guys. Don't.